Look at verse number 4. Paul said, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understandings, all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. I'm going to stop reading right there, and again I'm going to call your attention to that word peace. Verse number 7 talks about the peace of God. In verse number 9 talks about the God of peace. We have the peace of God and the God of peace. I want to draw your attention to that subject this morning, peace. I believe all these verses that we've read have to do with that subject, peace. And here's what I want to preach on for a few moments before we go on. God's prescription for peace. God's prescription for peace. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We're thankful for the privilege we have, Lord, just to gather together in the house of God and open up the infallible, precious Word of God. Lord, we understand when we open this Bible, it is truth without error. It is fact without fiction. Lord, there is no mistake in it at all. And Father, I pray that you would help us to realize the authority of the Word of God and the authority that it has over our lives, even when it comes to our our minds and our hearts and having peace in our lives. Lord, I pray this morning that we would reject... Lord, worldly solutions for peace. And Lord, I pray that we would accept biblical teaching on what real peace is and how to get it. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us. Lord, I don't know where everybody's at in this building. I know, I'm sure, just because of the size of this crowd, there are dozens of people that are struggling with inner peace and peace in their minds and in their hearts. And Lord, I pray that your word would, would help us with this truth and it would speak peace to us, we pray. Touch me, Lord, I need it. God, you know, you know what I need. God, you know my own uh, infirmities, God. And Lord, I pray that you'd please touch me and help me to preach with the power of God this morning. Father, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know, we live in a day where peace is uh, really very scarce, isn't it? It's very rare. I don't think there'd be many people that would claim to have peace. I'm talking about the world as a whole. Uh, I I read somewhere where uh, in uh, over 6,000 years of civilization that our world is only known 
Just a few years of peace, just a few decades of peace that's been in our world. Uh, Somewhere in the world for the last 6,000 years, there has been somebody at war with somebody else, one nation against somebody else. It started with Cain and Abel, and it has just gone all the way throughout humanity. There is hardly any peace. In fact, you, you turn on the news right now, and it's not about peace, is it? It's about war, right? It's about Ukraine and Russia and maybe Iran involved and maybe China involved. There's always a threat. Some of you remember growing up uh, during uh, uh, some of you older folks in here, you might remember growing up during uh, uh, wartime and you had to do drills in the hallway at school and be ready for bombings and things like that. And you grew up knowing, just as a child, knowing that this world is a uh, this world is a is is a is a is an awful place. I mean, with wicked men, with wicked hearts that will do wicked things and. All kind of things. Our world doesn't know much about peace. Uh, peace within our government and national peace and racial peace and financial peace and family peace and church peace and especially personal peace. If we could lift the covers off of this crowd this morning, you all look nice in here. You look beautiful. I mean, sitting there I mean, with your Bibles and all dressed up for church and you look nice. But if we were to really lift off the curtain, take away the curtain, lift off, I think we would see a lot of troubled hearts and a lot of troubled souls. That's why Jesus dealt, even with his disciples, even those that were close to him, he had to deal with them. Let not your heart be troubled. And, uh, and he told them that many times. He said, don't let your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Why does God have to remind us of this constantly? Well, it's because it's something we struggle with. We struggle with peace. On the outside, we can make it look like we're all right, but on the inside, there's a storm, and it's just swirling around in our souls, and there's turmoil, and there's uh, just an unrest, and there's anything but calmness and, and quietness on the inside. And I'm here to tell you this morning, and I proclaim on the authority of the Word of God, that only real peace, the only peace that you can find in this world can only be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's only found in God. And when you reject God and you cut God out of your life, you have cut off your only opportunity to enjoy and to experience real peace in your life. You see, we read our text this morning and one place, verse 7, talks about the peace of God. Verse 9, I believe it is, talks about the God of peace. Can I tell you, you cannot separate those two things. You cannot separate the peace of of God and the God of peace. You see, we live in a day, this world, they want peace. They want to feel uh, calmness and quietness on the inside. They want to have that restfulness of soul and of mind and of heart. But they do not want God. They want the peace of God, but they do not want the God of peace. And can I tell you, they are linked inseparably. You cannot, you cannot divide the two. You cannot have one without the other. And our world has totally... And if you don't believe this, you ain't paying attention. But our world has totally, I mean, without any kind of reservation at all, rejected God. We've pushed Him out of the home. We've pushed Him out of the schools. We've pushed Him out of even churches these days. And I want to tell you what, we're just putting in our society. We don't want God. I mean, there are godless bills trying to be passed and godless men elected to do godless things. And man, there's just a lot of godlessness going on. And when you have godlessness, you have no peace. There is no peace, saith my God unto the wicked. No peace. You cannot have the peace of God without the God of peace. And we have a world that's going crazy trying to find peace and they don't understand that they have rejected the only source of peace. 
Jesus is the Prince of Peace. That's the only way you can have peace is to have God. This world don't understand that. They want peace, but they don't want God. And you can't have one without the other. The psalmist said, Psalm 29, 11, the Lord will give strength unto His people. The Lord will bless His people with peace. That is a blessing of God, peace is. Psalm 119, you know this verse, verse 165, great peace have they which what? Love thy law. If you want great peace, your peace is, is uh, inseparably linked to the amount of love that you have for the Word of God. You love the Bible, you love the God of the Bible, you'll have peace in your heart. You reject God and you reject His Word and every little thing will offend you. It'll trip you up and it'll trap you up. Jesus said, John 14, He said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. And then He compares it. He said, Not as the world giveth, I give I unto you. You know what Jesus is saying right there? There's two kinds of peace. There is a false peace. There is a kind of peace that is not based in reality. It is not based in truth. It is not based in the Word of God. And that's the kind that the false prophets in Jeremiah's day were going around preaching. There was judgment coming, and it was in time of judgment, and there was judgment on the way. But all the little false prophets, they were going around preaching peace. Peace. Everything's fine. Everything's okay. And Jeremiah said, everything's not okay. I mean, God said He's going to judge us. God's judgment is on the way. We need to repent. We need to get right with God. And I'm going to tell you what, you can go to a church and you can find somebody that will soothe your conscience temporarily. You can find a friend, pat you on the back, and tell you everything's okay. You can find a preacher. You can find a teacher. You can find a Bible version. Or you can find whatever you want. There's all kind of false peace offerings out there to let you know everything's okay. But when you get in the Word of God, the true Word of God, and divide it correctly, you find out that there's only one way to have peace, and that's to be walking with God. If you have peace and you're not right with God, you're either A, a liar, or B, you need to be born again, you need to be saved. Your conscience has been seared. Your conscience has been trashed. It has been tricked by the false prophets of this world and by government officials and entertainers and all kind of things that preaches worldly philosophy saying, peace, peace. But there is no peace to the wicked. Peace is defined as that freedom from agitation or disturbance such as fear. It's a freedom from fear, freedom from terror, freedom from anger. Freedom from anxiety. It's the quietness of the mind. It's the quietness of conscience. It's the quietness of soul. And in our context of our, te- of our, of our scripture here, peace was something that was needed in this church, right? There was division, right? There were some people not getting along. And I think that's what the context is right here. In verses 1, 2, and 3, Paul addresses that. And then he begins to talk about how to have peace. Isn't that something? There was a dispute between members and Paul addressed it in that previous passage. And personal peace, having the peace of God ruling and reigning on the inside, it is so important because most outside disturbances, uh, when, when there's no peace on the outside, it's caused because usually there is no peace on the inside. These disturbances arise from people who have inner turmoil. People that go around making trouble all the time, and they're always causing trouble. Really, they're saying more about themselves than they are about other things. Because when you have peace on the inside, listen, you 
tend to make peace on the outside. You remember what Paul said in Romans 12? He said, if it be possible as much as what lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. He said, as much as lieth in you. When you got peace on the inside, you can have peace on the outside. Your peace on the outside, your peace with your spouse, your peace with your church, your peace with your co-workers, your peace with your neighbors, it is directly proportional to the amount of peace you have lying on the inside of you. Amen. But when you're a wreck on the inside, you're going to cause wrecks on the outside. This world's solution for peace is totally different from God's solution, isn't it? This world has their own solutions. This world says, well, you know what? You know what you need? You need a vacation. That's what you need. Now, I like vacations. Somebody say amen right there. It wouldn't bother me if I was going on one tomorrow. Amen. I wouldn't be mad about that. I like, uh, I like putting my toes in the sand. Amen. Ain't nothing wrong with that. I like that. I'm a, I like the coast. I don't like the, I'm not a mountains guy. I'm a coast guy. I, like, I, like to, I don't necessarily want to get in the water, but I like to put there's just something. You put your toes in the sand, and you hear those waves, and I can feel it. My blood pressure drops. I mean, just just comes on down. Because I got pills that I take when I'm not at the coast. <laughs> that is helping. Hey, ask me about it later. I want to tell you about that, all right? About my doctor visit the other day. But... I like vacation, but that's what the world says. Hey, you know, you're so stressed out. You're so uh, anxious. You're so worrisome. You're cumbered down with all this stress and everything of life. Man, you just need to take a vacation. That's what you need. And I like vacations. I just told you that, didn't I? All right, let's not go through all that again. But you know what? Let me tell you something about vacations. They end. you got to go back home. And you know what happens after vacation? You, usually things that were stressing you out before, they're not just there, but they've, they have friends. They've multiplied because you've been gone a week and all that stuff on your desk and all that stuff. It's just piling up, piling up, piling up. Amen. In fact, sometimes, how many of y'all that kind of hinders you from even enjoying getting away because you're thinking about all the things that you should be doing and all the things are going to be waiting on you when you get back? Amen. Listen, take a vacation because they're fun. Take a vacation because you want to spend time with your family. Don't take a vacation because you think it's going to be a solution for all your problems. Because you will be very disappointed. Amen. This world says, just get away. This world says, try something new. That's what you need. You know, if your marriage is stressful, well, you just need a new partner. That's what you need. You know, you know if you can't get along, just get loose. Amen. Uh, you know, well, just stress at church. Well, you just need a new church. You just need a new a job. You just need a new what? You need a new friend. You need to get rid of all the toxic people out of your life. Listen, you're toxic too, amen. That's crazy. You do toxic people. We're all toxic, amen. Good gracious. A bunch of flesh comparing itself to a bunch of other flesh. God help us. Try some, listen, you can, you can get new friends, new relationships, you can get a new job, you can get a new church, you can get a new car, you can get a new house, you can move to a new street, you can start, you can move to another state and start all over, whatever you want. But I'll tell you what you're going to find. You're going to find that turmoils and cares and stress. Guess what? It follows you around wherever you go. Amen. I used to live in Georgia. I pastored a church in Georgia. Now I live in North Carolina, and I pastor a church in North Carolina. And guess what? My biggest problem followed me from Georgia all the way to North Carolina. I'm not talking about Heather either. Amen. I'm not talking about the kids. I'm talking about me. Amen. 
I tell you, all the stress and care and anxiety. Listen, it, you can move to a new place. You can move to a new situation. But all that stuff's just going to move along with you if you don't have the peace of God. This world just throws a bunch of medication out on us, don't it? Pills. Now listen, I'm not preaching again. All I'm doing is this. All I'm saying is that if you got medical problems, you need medical help. Nope. Say amen right there. You need med- I'm not against taking medicine. No doubt about that. Amen. But I'm going to tell you something. Listen, not, a, not everything's a medical problem. And this world don't know how to diagnose spiritual things. They got to be spiritually discerned. And a lot of times what we need to do is we just need to get right with God. Amen. And there's a pill. There ain't a pill for that. We just need to get in our Bible. We need to get on our knees. We need to do what this Bible tells us to do. But this world just throws. You know, in the, in the last, uh, since COVID and all that, did you know the amount of people on antidepressants has nearly doubled in America? Double, almost, not quite, but almost double. Look it up. Just a simple Google search will tell you that. Did you know one of the fastest growing groups of people that are on antidepressants right now? Do you know who it is? It's children ages 5 to 12. Since 2020, the amount of children on antidepressants has grown by 41%. There's an article just come out about it. Just the other day, you can Google it and read it. I read it yesterday. 41, it has grown by 41%. Under 12 years old. Man, what do you got to be stressed out about under 12? You ought to be outside throwing a rock at somebody's window, you know. Outside, playing around. But you, what you do is you, man, man, these kids, we put them in, we give them all this technology and we connect them to a stressful world and we put them in these stressful situations and all this stuff and then we expect them as children to handle adult situations. And then when they can't handle it, and mom and daddy can't get along, and nothing can happen, and we expect these kids just to handle it. And then when they can't, we just throw a pill at them. Yeah, man. Man, our generation is going to have to give an account for how we've been treating our kids. God help us. I'm just telling you, the world has a solution. They say, here's the end. If you want peace, you need to talk to this therapist. You need to take this pill. You need to go on a vacation. You just need to do something new. But I'm here to tell you, the numbers state otherwise that it's just going up and up and up. Depression is on the rise. Suicide is on the rise. Alcohol and drug use is on the rise. It's on the rise. I'm here to tell you, this world ain't got a clue how to have peace. But this book does. God's got a prescription for you. And God tells us exactly how to have it. I'm going to give it to you real quick. I wish I had time to dive down deep. And we might come back and dive deep into some of these things. But can I just give them to you real quick? And can I just let you know what the Bible says real quick about peace? As we just skim over the top, I'm praying the Holy Spirit will do do the work in your heart. Because verse 7, look at verse 7. These are outcomes. If, if you do, verse 4, 5, and 6 is the prescription. If you do this, this, and this, verse 7, the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds. It shall do it. It will do it. Do you believe the Bible? Do you believe God's Word means what it says? He said it shall. It shall. Listen, the Bible does have a solution to mental issues and mind issues and heart issues. For people to say that's a separate issue, you got to have medicine for this, and you got to leave the Bible over here and leave the doctors over here. Listen, my Bible tells me how you can have peace in your mind. Amen. 
the Bible says. There it is. You either believe the Bible or you don't. Verse 9, there's another outcome. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do do these things. The things that he's going to mention in verses 4, 5, and 6. Paul said, I've done them. You've seen them in me. And here's what will happen. The God of peace shall be with you. Man, that's better than having the peace of God. Having the God of peace with you. Not only do you get His peace, you get Him. He'll be with you. You say, well, I thought God's always with me. He is, but when, when you see an attribute like that, the God of peace, that simply means He is going to come to you. He is going to reveal Himself with, to you. He is going to abide with you with that attribute, with that revealing Himself in that manner as peace. The God of peace shall be with you. So what do we do? Let me give you three things. I'm done. Number one, God's prescription for peace is very simple. Number one, it's rejoicing by faith. You see that in verse number four? Rejoicing by faith. It's simple, isn't it? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. There it is. There's step number one. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Rejoice. That just word simply just means to be full of cheer, to be glad, to rejoice. Now that's kind of an odd thing, isn't it? To command somebody. You know, in fact, I... I you know, I probably would be thought of insensitive or, or ignorant if you were to come in my office and say, Preacher, I, I'm troubled, I'm stressed out, I got, I got this anxiety and I'm anxious about these things. And, and I would say, just rejoice. Cheer up! You say, well, Preacher, that's, that's not a solution. That may be a good thing to do, but that's, that's not going to fix my problems. That's not going to make things go away can you even command, can you command somebody to be happy? You know, can you command somebody to say, hey, stop being sad and be happy? Okay, that'll be $99.99. Pay, in the, pay at the window on your way out. Thanks for coming to see me. This is probably real carnal to bring up. I shouldn't bring This is not in the notes. This is carnality coming out just in real time. But there's, there's this video. This uh, you can look it up on YouTube. I don't know some kind of skit, and it's uh, I think it's Bob Newhart in there, and he's a psychiatrist. He's a it's clean, all right. <laughs> you can look it up. He's a psychiatrist. He's a he's a counselor, therapist, whatever. And he's sitting at a desk, and people come to see him. And the lady first person comes in, and, uh, and I don't remember. It's been a while since so I've seen it, but I think her problem is something. She's afraid. She has a fear that she's going to be, she's claustrophobic, she's got a fear she's going to be, you know, locked in a box and then buried in the ground or something like that. And he says, okay, he said, uh, I'm going to give you two words and uh, you need to listen to these two words and then you need to do it and then you can pay on your way out. She says, okay. And his two words are this, stop it! That's his advice. Stop it. He said, that's stupid. <laughs> he said, nobody's going to lock you in a box and bury you underground. Stop it. All right, now pay on the way out. And he had several people circle through his office like that. And his advice is always, stop it. Just stop. That's crazy. Stop being that way. Don't you wish it worked like that? Preacher just say, hey, you're being bad. Stop it. And you say, you know what? I think that's what I'll do. Hey, man. I mean, I know it's a little more complicated than that. So it almost sounds like, Paul, 
I'm struggling with this trouble. I'm struggling with this inner peace. And, and you're just telling me to just to stop? Just rejoice? It's a command. You see that? That's a command. It's a command. Do it. Rejoice. Can that even be commanded? Can you, can you command? Cheer? Can you, amand, can you command and demand gladness? Can that even be done? Is that possible? Well, it is when we realize what rejoicing is. You see, for most of us, you know, cheer and gladness and rejoicing, to us, it is a, it's an emotional response. It, it, that, that's what it is to the world, to rejoice, to be glad. It's an emotional response. When things are bad, you, you cry. When things are good, you, you rejoice. You respond emotionally. But as it sits as a command in our text, what that means is, is that rejoicing is more than just an emotional response. Rejoicing is a logical decision. It is a choice that you make. You have to make the choice to rejoice. And it's not unfounded. It's not based on fantasy. It's not based on fallacy. It's not based on frailty. It's based on what is logical and what is real and what is true because you see there's a qualifier. This joy has, it's a discriminant kind of joy. There is a, it's not just rejoice in anything because listen, you go through things and circumstances, it's hard to rejoice in those circumstances. The Bible doesn't say rejoice because somebody died. The Bible never says rejoice because, you know, your car tore up or rejoice because you got a bad report at the doctor or rejoice because you got a prodigal that won't get right. The Bible never says rejoice because of those things. And it's not some kind of fake, happy, put on a fake smile and, and just make it real superficial and shallow no matter what's going on. That's not what it's talking about. He says rejoice what? Rejoice in the Lord. And I'm here to tell you, you know this. This is simple, but listen to me. I don't care what is going on on the outside. I don't care what's going on in your life, what's going on in your situation. You can always obey that command to rejoice in the Lord because God never changes. Life is up and down, but God never changes. Life is good and bad but God never changes. Listen, things are uh, 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 things are up and things are down but God never changes. Rejoice how? Rejoice in the Lord. You can always rejoice in the Lord. It's an amazing that remember the last verse, last phrase of verse number three he talks about those whose names are in the book of life and in the very next verse he says rejoice. Isn't it amazing how those things seem to always be connected together? Jesus is what connected those together. Your name is in the book of life. Your name is written in heaven. These are eternal things. These are things that never change. And why are and when, when, when anxiety and care and all stress, when it seems to overwhelm us, you are focusing on the wrong thing, my friend. You are trying to rejoice. You're trying to get joy, and you're plugging into situations and circumstances of life, trying to find joy. And the thing is this, is if you'll plug into Jesus, and if you'll plug into Him, you'll never run out a constant joy in your life. And you can obey that command, and it takes faith. By the way, it takes faith to obey every command. You have to believe God. You say, preacher, I can't, I can't you got to believe God. When you say you can't rejoice, what you're saying is, I, I, can't, I don't believe God. I don't, have, I don't have faith. 
to believe God because this thing is not rooted in feelings. You're looking for fe- you're searching for feelings that'll give you the feeling that you want. You're searching for a situation that'll give you the feelings you want. And what you need is not a different situation. You need to realize and reckon up and count it all together and tally up all the things that are actually real and actually true. And when you find those things out, you will rejoice. And you can obey that command right there to rejoice. I'll tell you, people that don't worship, people that don't rejoice, people that don't... Listen, there are people without peace. People with peace are people that are rejoicing people in spite of their circumstances. It's a rejoicing by faith. And he says to do it all way. All way. It's all along the way. As you go, never stop. And God, listen... Listen, God knows our lives have mountains and valleys. God knows that. But He tells us in spite of that, you rejoice all along the way. And then just in case we didn't get it the first time, He says, and again, I say, rejoice. Say again. You say, I don't think that works. Paul says, well, I'm going to tell it to you again. It's the kind of thing you can't overdose on this. I mean, you can't overdose on rejoicing. You can't get enough of it. And i tell you what to help you out. I don't know when the last time you've thanked God. I don't know when the last time you've rejoiced in the Lord. I don't know when the last time is that you lifted up hands toward heaven. But i tell you what, it'll do a lot for your soul. It'll do a lot for your mind. That's why I love coming to church and all the cares of life might be on my shoulders, but they start singing about Calvary, singing about the blood singing about the cross, singing about the Lord Jesus Christ. And I lift some hands toward heaven and it seems like they just go away. The cares of life begin to burst like bubbles. Amen. Thank God I can rejoice. And it's not fake. It's rejoicing in something that is actually real. Something that is actually true. Something that is actually eternal. I can rejoice in those things. So I tell you, you say, well, preacher, you don't know how complicated my situation is. You don't know how complex it is. You don't know all the... You're right, I have no idea, and I probably won't be able to understand it. But I'll tell you what, there's one who does, and he has commanded you to rejoice. And if you don't, it's because of a choice that you're making. It's your choice not to. If you're miserable, it's because you want to be miserable. Amen. Quit responding to your circumstances and start putting faith in the Word of God. What God said to do. Rejoice by faith. Number two. The first part is rejoicing by faith. Secondly, is restraining the flesh. Do you see that in verse number five? Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. You know what that word moderation means? It means a restraint of the passions. It means being free from excess. Uh, It's like the Bible word temperance, self-control, moderation. Moderation, it's something that doesn't come naturally. Man, there's something wrong. We're we're, we're all, we're broke because of the fall. Our flesh, we live in these broken bodies and we all have a tendency. Everybody does it, has something they they grab onto in excess. Before you... Look down your nose at the alcoholic or the drug addict or something like that. You need to know that in your life there are strongholds of excess in your life. Every single one of us have that. Moderation is the ability to control yourself, control your passions in the context like when there's a disagreement between two people. Euodius and Syntyche. They need to have moderation. They don't need to let their passions, their anger, their temper, their appetite 
for revenge. They don't know that these things get out of hand. And the inability to control your temper or your appetite or your lust or other fleshly passions, let me tell you what that will do to your life. Listen to me. It will rob your peace. It will take your peace. Unconfessed sin in your life robs peace. I'm going to tell you what, a lot of people, they don't need a pill. They need repentance is what they need. You would be surprised what a good old-fashioned dose of repentance would do for your mind. What it would do for your heart. I'm talking about thoroughly, I mean all the way, through and through, getting right with God, getting clean with God, getting in an altar somewhere, getting alone with God somewhere and confessing everything and getting clean and throwing out some stuff and getting rid of some junk and getting rid of some things. Listen, you can't have peace in your heart when you're just letting every little thing in your mind and every little thing in your heart. That's verse 8. Now I reserve the right to come back to verse 8 and comb through that real good. But what does he say? He talks about only think about things that meet a certain standard. Things that are true. Things that are honest. Things that are just. I don't have time to define all these things. We will. Things that are pure. Things that are lovely. Things that are of good report. Things that have virtue and praise. He said... Think on these things. But when your flesh is not restrained and you've opened yourself just to consume everything, listen, you can't have peace in your heart and peace in your soul letting Hollywood just dump, I mean, just just back up, beep, 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 and then just dump all of its garbage in your mind. Amen. You let all that music that comes across the, the radio. And listen, I, I, I'm, just, I'm just here to tell you, this is true. You can like it or lump it or you can, you can just say, well, he's just so fashioned. That's fine. You go home and you, you just keep being troubled then. You just live without peace. How, how's that working for you? But man, when your mind is stayed on the Lord, what do you say? He'll keep them, what did Isaiah say? He'll keep them in perfect peace whose mind is what? Stayed on thee. There is a direct connection between what you put in your mind and the peace that you have in your heart. Amen. You can't listen to all that junk and you can't watch all that junk and you can't hang around all that junk and expect to have the peace of God ruling in your heart. You need to be able to tell your flesh, no. And somebody that can never tell themselves no, they're usually full of stress and heartache. There's people stressed out because they're in a financial mess right now. You have no peace in your heart because all them credit card bills and all them payments and everything, they've robbed you of every bit of peace that you might have. And it's all because you couldn't tell yourself no. Amen. Come on now, I'm just preaching where we're living at. And you don't have moderation, and guess what? You You pay the price for it in peace later can't say no to certain sins and certain things. Listen, you pay the price for it later. Can't say no to, 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 to food and to eating and just gorging yourself and you pay the price for it later. Can't say no to, can't say no to hanging out over here or doing it and you pay the price for it later. It always, it's always, you always pay the price for it later. And sin always, always offers you peace. It says, look, if you do this, that's what, so if, if it wasn't if, if sin wasn't so attractive, we wouldn't be bothered by it, right? It's an entice. Every man is drawn away from his own lust. He's enticed. He's drawn away and enticed. Something like that. You look it up. James somewhere or another. 
entice. There's an enticement. And sin always says, if you give in to me, you'll be happy. You'll be pleasurable. You'll finally be satisfied. You'll be complete. But then when you give into it, what does it do? It makes you miserable on the inside. Absolutely ruins your life. Moderation. Self-control. Self-temperance. You'd be surprised how that'll make a difference in your life. And he says, let it be known unto all men. Does that mean we ought to go around telling everybody how moderate we are? Is that what that means? We ought to go around and say, hey, you know, you're not going to believe how... I think that would be the opposite, right? That would be kind of indulging in pride, wouldn't it? I think what that means is we just live in a way where it's obvious. Where your moderation is obvious. And then he gives a motive for all of it. He said, why should we live that way? He said, the Lord is at hand. Now that's an interesting little phrase there. The Lord is at hand. Now you won't find that phrase anywhere else in the Bible. This is the only place. Now you'll find in the Old Testament three or four times where it says the day of the Lord is at hand. That's talking about judgment, right? Judgment's coming. The Lord is coming. And some people interpret this verse as saying, well, the Lord's coming back. You need to be moderate because the Lord's coming back. But it doesn't say the day of the Lord is at hand. It says the Lord is at hand. What does that mean? It's like he's, you could reach out and touch him. You know what that means is? You know what that means? That means he's right there. That means before you say something, before you do something, Whatever you do, you need to think about, hey, he's right there. God is right there. You can't hide anything from him. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. He sees it all. He's right there. The Lord is at hand before you indulge, before you give in, before you give way to that temptation. The Lord is right there. He's right there. I'll tell you what robs us of our peace is when we never can say no to the flesh. We cannot say no. We cannot restrain the flesh. And if you leave your stress, your flesh unrestrained, I promise you it will only build and build and build stress upon stress upon stress on your life. Let me give you one last one. I'm done. This is one we just got to skim over because there's so much here. Not only... Rejoicing by faith and restraining the flesh. But thirdly, and lastly, and I'm done, requesting the Father. You see that in verse 6? Be careful for nothing. There's another one of them commands. Don't be full of care. Don't worry. Careful. That's, that's anxiety. That's worrying. That's trouble with care. That's stress. Don't be full of care. Careful about anything for nothing. But here's the replacement. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving... Let your request be made known unto God. Man, and that describes so many of our lives. We're so stressed and worried about everything all the time. What if this? And what if that? And what if aliens come and abduct us all? And what if, you know, they say all those things we worry about, most of it never even comes true. 90% of the things that you lay up at night and can't get any sleep because you're worrying about, listen, it's not going to come true. And if it is going to come true, there's nothing you can do about it anyway. 
Jesus talked about taking thought, Matthew 6, right? Don't take thought for your life. You can't add, you can't make yourself any taller. You can't make hair, one hair black and one hair white. And you can't, you can't, there's so many things we cannot change and we worry about all these things. And what we do, we're living like the pagans. We're living like the Gentiles. We're living like people that don't know God. What separates us from those that don't know God? What separates us? It's this, we have a Father. We have a Father in heaven that takes care of us. And listen, does He take care of the birds? They eat every single day. The birds eat every single day, and they have since He created them. I can't remember. I looked it up one time, and there's somebody that calculated all of it. The richest man in all the world, which I don't know who that is right now, Jeff Bezos maybe or somebody, whoever it is, some Mexican guy probably. I don't know who it is, but... The richest man in all the world. And that's serious. If you look it up, it is a guy in Mexico. Last time I looked it up, I don't remember his name. But the richest man in all the world, if he were to be responsible to feed the birds of the world, and uh, uh, if he were responsible to buy seed and feed the birds of the world, he would be broke. He would run out of money in less than a week. He'd have no more money left. But God's been feeding the birds for 6,000 years. God feeds them every single day. And then he says, we're better than them. So you tell them PETA people out there. You tell all them animal lovers out there, well, we're all equal. No, we're better than a bird. Amen. Which means we're better than monkeys and cows and, 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 and pigs. And, and we're better than all of them, all right? Amen. The worst amongst us is better than an animal. Amen. All right, so I just want to throw that in there. And God clothes the lilies of the field, even Solomon. With all of his beautiful clothing, he's not even, he wasn't even as beautiful as God has dressed the lilies of the field. And if God clothes the fields, and if God feeds the birds, and you're better than a bird, and you're better than a field, you're better than a flower, if God does all that, look, is he going to take care of us? Isn't he? And so instead of worrying about it, instead of just being down, instead of walking in everywhere with your chin on the ground and just all upset and mean and grumpy and bitter at everybody and everything in life, why don't you look up and realize there is a Father in heaven that loves you more than you could ever imagine. And He promised He would take care of you. And prayer, there's three kinds, of, three elements of prayer. There's prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. And I may preach a message on that here, but... Those three elements right there. And prayer and worry in your life, they cannot coexist. When you've truly prayed about it and you've casted all your what? Care on Him. Because why? He cares for you. When you've done that, listen, you can't be worried. Anxiety and, and, and prayer and faith in God and knowing that He loves you, they can't coexist in the same heart and in the same mind. Worry is when we fail to take it to God in prayer or we fail to believe that God is able to take care of it. I think our worry is one of the most blasphemous things we have in our life. And I'm almost done. I appreciate you listening. Listen, worry, that's one of the most blasphemous... The most, the most blasphemous charges we've ever leveled against God is when we worry about whether we're going to be okay or not. You're charging God of not being a good father. Listen, God, He's not a deadbeat dad. He takes care of his kids. You listening to me? If you belong to him, he's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of you. You're all right. 
What we need to do is we need to take that burden. The song says, I think, it's, uh, I think I wrote it down, page 164. We don't ever sing this, but I've only heard it a handful of times. But my grandfather used to quote this all the time. He preached and he quoted this song all the time. Just take your burdens to the Lord. Leave them there. If the world from you withholds all of its silver and its gold, and you have to get along with meager fare, just remember in his word how he feeds the little bird. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave it there. Don't pick it back up. Leave it there. God wants you to have peace in your heart, not trouble. How many times did Jesus tell his disciples, let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't be stirred up. Let it be a calmness, quietness, serenity in your heart. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. I know this is simple preaching, but listen. Have you prayed about it? I mean, really? Have you prayed about it? I know you've, you've told everybody, you've told your 50 closest friends and you've updated your Facebook status and, and, you, and, you, and you've told everybody, but have you prayed about it? Have you prayed about it? Because my Bible says if you'll do that, there will be a, an outcome. The peace of God, which passes all understanding. Don't even explain. You can't even explain it. But it's there. It'll keep your hearts guarded. Hold on to it. Keep your hearts and your minds. Man, what a blessing that is. God said you can have peace. God said you can have it in spite of your God said your circumstances don't need to change for you to have peace. So I guess it just comes down to faith, right? Do we believe it? It's obedience, right? Will we obey what he said to do? Will we rejoice? Will we restrain our flesh? Will we take our request to God? There's promise. There's a promise in these verses. There's a sure outcome in these verses. And if you're not living in the outcome, it's because you're not following the, the prescription.